In space, there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past. They have gone dark and cold, their signal faint to us. All players were once forced to play alone. But these games are not forgotten, they remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This is Retrolave. Welcome to Retrolave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what made these games special. This week's feature is Wing Commander 3 by Chris Roberts, Dorigin. Released in 1994 for Windows and Mac, and 1995 for 3DO, and in 1996 for PlayStation, Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger, sees the war against the Kilrathi going badly for the Confederation. Its flagship, the Concordia, has been destroyed. Battles are lost on all fronts. War hero Colonel Christopher Blair is transferred to the old carrier Victory. You take the role of Blair and ensure the success of the Confederation's last-ditch attempt for victory, the destruction of the Kilrathi homeworld. Wing Commander 3 saw the introduction of full-motion video to the series, which led to the game being delivered on four CD-ROMs, an emerging technology at the time, rather than the standard floppy disks. The FMV starred Hollywood celebrities such as Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, who plays Colonel Blair, Malcolm McDowell, the guy who killed Captain Kirk in Star Trek Generations, played Admiral Tolwyn. And John Rhys-Davies, better known as Gimli the Dwarf from Lord of the Rings, played the part of Paladin and voiced the main Kilrathi protagonist. The game contains the usual mix of space battles and cinematic storytelling, but increases the graphics to Super VGA and brings in texture-mapped polygons rather than the bitmaps for space flight sequences. Okay, joining me for the show this evening, we have... Colin Ford. Hello, Felix Tafire from the forums. James Vigor. Hello, one Vigor from the forums. Rory Scarlett. Hello, I just go by the name of Rory Scarlett on the forums. Simon Winard. Hello, I'm Simon Winard. I'm Lister I69 from the forums. Ben Moss Woodward. Hey there, it's Edelweiss from the forums. And finally, my partner in crime, the great Mr. Grant Walcott. Hi, and I'm Psychokar in the forums. Okay, guys, before we dive into this week's episode, which is Wing Commander 3, I know that we've been a little bit up and down in the last couple of weeks, and the section that we brought in, which we called the Vanguard section, we're going to have to change the name of that because one clever listener quite happily pointed out that I'm an idiot, and Vanguard is actually the people that go in front of an army as opposed to the people that go behind it. So we're going to to change that section to the innuendo-filled rearguard section of the podcast and... Our rear guard that got lost for the last few weeks, first of all, is Rory Scarlet with iWars. Rory, what did you think of the game? I liked the game. I remember on the podcast originally saying that I actually enjoyed it quite a lot anyway. Playing it for three weeks, was it? I like it a little less, but for reasons that it became ridiculously hard. The combat was just impossible. As soon as you're faced with more than two or three opponents, you're dead. Simple as that, and I just couldn't get any further than about six missions. But I really did enjoy it, yeah. So is that a question of the learning curve just sort of ramping up? It was so steep, the learning curve. The game, as we found it, you feel like a passenger a lot of the time. Follow the ship, press the button that makes you go into formation with him and you follow him. And then it's, oh, let's go over here, you press another button and you follow him. So you're a bit of a passenger a lot of the time in some of the missions. 
But then in other missions, you fly to a particular place and then indie ships come along, you fight one of them off, but then you just get blown up. I'd try that mission four or five times and then just rage quit. It was that bad at some points, but the actual game itself, what it's trying to do, I really like. It wasn't trying to be an elite clone. It wasn't trying to be a Wing Commander clone. It was trying to be a game all of its own, and um, I think that's good, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that um, I remember from the iWars, the week that we did iWars, was that the story seemed to be quite good. Obviously, if you only got sort of five or six missions into that, you probably can't shed any more light on how that story develops. No, it it didn't really develop in the game as far as I played it. You just played a mission and then the indies would turn up. You'd play another mission and the indies would turn up. There was no exposition of the story moving on. You know what I mean? You just did a mission, finished it, did a mission, finished it, did a mission, finished it. There wasn't any, oh, now this has happened and the plot has moved on a level. Not in the five or six missions that you played. What did you score on the episode? Can you remember? I gave it a seven. And And you're now going to give it? It's going to stay as a seven. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's certainly not going to go up because the learning curve was so steep and I didn't have the patience to stay on that curve. But it's not going to go down because, on the whole, I'm impressed with the game. You know, the the flight model was great. It was a unique game, something that I'd not encountered before, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think just from its uniqueness, it stays at number seven. Great stuff. I know you guys didn't set a rear guard whilst I was away. I think you guys thought it was a little bit too mean to leave two people behind. Ben, I believe you've actually continued playing TIE Fighter from last week. I kept playing a wee bit of TIE Fighter. What I actually went off and did was I installed the TIE Fighter mod for the X-Wing Alliance pack. You're playing the TIE Fighter missions using the X-Wing Alliance game engine. So the controls are subtly different and you've actually got full joystick support and all that kind of stuff. And also they go off and greatly increase the graphics as well. I did actually go back and re-redo the original TIE 95, I think it was, that we were playing, just to compare and contrast. Obviously, it's much nicer playing the modded version in X-Wing Alliance because it just looks so much shinier. And it's interesting how much the benefits of good controls are for any of these games. Interesting. So did you play any of it in its sort of original form or did you literally go straight in and and mod it and start playing again? with the? When I found out I was being a semi-rear guard, I did go back and try the Time 95 one again. And it was very much exactly the same as I remembered it. It's still a lot of fun. The missions in, well, in all of them, because the gameplay is identical, basically. There's a mission where the rebels have taken over a starbase, and you've got to go off and recapture that. And that's just, it's a nightmare. You you come out of your ship, and you just die. And you Mm. go back into the game, and you die again, and you go back into... (laughs) (laughs) And, like, it's just so hard. There's A-wings, and there's everything just flying around all over you. It's something, actually, that I wonder if games these days i'm not going to say they've toned down but maybe it's the kind of games that i've been playing or something because i don't remember any games where i've had to go off and spend two three four days playing the same mission trying to complete it i don't remember doing that in any game sort of since 2010 at least no, I know certain games do actually sort of adjust themselves, don't they? Sometimes if you're if you're stuck on a mission, they will slightly edge the difficulty level so you maybe won't be facing as many enemies or you know, maybe, this is yeah. a little bit easier. I know there are various games, I can't think of any off the top of my head right now, but uh, I knew that there's various games that will dynamically change the difficulty level yeah. if you are stuck on a particular mission. Yeah, I'm thinking sort of to the Mass Effects or Dragon Ages and stuff like that. 
then you can dynamically change the level. But even if you don't, then maybe there's a couple of boss fights that I have to do a couple of times in Dragon Age, but nothing where I'm just banging my head against a brick wall and coming very close to rage quitting as well. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, it's a Star Wars game anyway, but how much further on did you get with the storyline? What unfolded and so, what things did you miss on the night? I went off and we continued pursuing the rebels who were escaping from Hoth. And then whilst we were pursuing the rebels from Hoth, the rebels go off and grab one of the bases that is meant to be ours, and we have to get it back from those rebel scum. I did complete that mission eventually in X-Wing Alliance. I did the mission after that, which was also blooming hard, and I haven't managed to do that in the original TIE 95 one. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's something we're finding across the board with some of these retro games. They took no prisoners when it came to gameplay and uh, difficulty level. They had no problem with ditching you out into space and sending you all the way back to the start to do it all over again. Great stuff. So what did you rate it on the actual episode and what would you rate it now? On the night, I rated it as a 7.58. I'd maintain that, I think, at least for the TIE 95 version and for the X-Wing Alliance modded version. Just with the better everythings, I'd put it up as a 8.59 maybe. Great stuff. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Obviously, for this show, we'll do another rearguard section and we'll choose that at the end of the show. So moving on to Wing Commander 3 then, guys. Who has uh, memories of playing this back in 1994? Colin, we'll start off with you, mate. Okay. With all these games, it was one of these ones I'd completed all the way from start to finish. This is one of these ones that the plot dragged you along. You wanted to complete a mission so you could go that, get that extra little bit of plot and all the little cutscenes on the Victory's bridge or on the Victory's rec room. You wanted to get as much as possible from the next mission, if you see what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And did you play it on Windows or did you play it on Mac? MS-DOS. <laughs> MS-DOS. Okay. Yeah. This is before Windows 95 came out, really. Yeah, Windows 95 and you had to actually run most of your games on DOS. Grant, what about you, mate? Yeah, I remember it fondly and spent many a, an evening redoing a mission and trying to beat it and just going back again and again and again and, and trying to, to win them. I know that, in my memory serves me right, there was points at which you could afford to fail a mission and you could move on and the story would adapt um, around those particular fails, although some of the fails left you dead or stranded or captured. But I just remember it being so important to do really, really well in these missions and it was just something you came running home for to go, right, I've got to go and save that blooming carrier i've got to go and defend that battle and win it this time and i just remember it being so exciting and then you get your reward is a two and a half hour cutscene before the next bit of gameplay <laughs> we'll come on to the cutscenes in a bit simon what's your memories of it pretty much the same as grant i remember with all the cds you had to play and i remember what you don't get in that game but we've downloaded it is all the time that you have to change cds and I remember, I would always insert disc 3, insert disc 4. There was a different disc between the one that you were playing and the one you were dying on. But I used to love the Scott scene, you know, at the time that full motion video was top technology. You know, it was like, this is something that's never been done before. And you had people like Mark Hamill in there, who, you know, you remembered fondly from him, like, Return of the Jedi and all the movies like that. So you got really behind the characters and such, and you did want to complete the mission, so you wanted to know where the story was going. And Yeah, I I don't know if I can actually complete the game, but I do remember getting quite far in it, that's for sure. Yeah, and 
from my perspective, I definitely played it. This is one of the games where I have got the rose-tinted spectacles on myself. Uh, I didn't play it on MS-DOS. I didn't have a PC until I went to university in 98. So I actually played it on 3DO. One of my friends actually had a Philips 3DO, which he quite kindly loaned me for a couple of weeks. And one of the games he had was Wing Commander Heart of the Tiger. And it was great. I mean, it was much, much better than the Amiga that I currently had. Um, and certainly on the Amiga, we didn't have anything quite like the, the FMV sequences that came with Wing Commander 3. And I just remembered that it was so absorbing. You know, Colin, what you're saying about you know, you know completing a mission just so you can get that extra couple of minutes worth of cutscene with Mark Hamill or something that just progressed the, the plot line. Yeah, yeah, as a young sort of 14-year-old, it was something that was yeah, really, really appealed to me. Looking at information here, there's actually a few things that were left off the 3DO version that were released on the, the MS-DOS version. Obviously, due to the capabilities of the 3DO, there was no planetary missions, there was no sort of in-orbit missions, which there were on the MS-DOS version. So, you know, this is actually going to be a game where I wouldn't actually be that upset if I got the rear guard position on this one, because you know, there might be a few things that I haven't actually seen before. Okay then, so without any further ado, let's go on and boot up the game. You know the flight level? Uh, no, there's nothing on flight level. You're going to have to attend the briefing, I think. I bet you Okay, don't. so once you talk to Rachel, make sure you're ready to fly the mission. Let us know when you get there. Yeah, I'm ready. Ready. Escape. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Fly mission. mission. Red 5, standing by. Please, can everybody note the fashionable onesie? <laughs> I'm in the cockpit now. I I haven't moved at all, but I'm on my side. <laughs> right, well, I'm on autopilot okay. now. Oh. Alright. I'm autopiloting, yeah. Oh, you've got baddies already. Is it autopilot with A again? A. Yeah. Yeah. What you've got to do is you've got to communicate with the victory yeah, I, and I ask for clearance. I've done that, and now I fly into the hangar? Yeah, I think so. That's what I did, and then cut yeah. the thrust when I was halfway. The thing I always liked about the Wing Commander series was the fact that when you went to those cutscenes, if you sort of either docking or flying from one wave point to another, you always see the damage coming off your ship, so if you knew you were really in the crap, was when your ship was spurting out sparks. The enemy has struck at the heart of our empire. There will be no interrogation. Do what you will with them. Disintegration. What did you guys reckon to the, the graphics? Obviously, this is a game that takes us into the super VGA standard of graphics. Colin? Well, actually... I really like them. I'm surprised to say this because after playing TIE Fighter uh, last time, I thought, well, for the time, there wasn't anything better. 
but the graphics themselves I thought were better in this game. The ships seemed to be better rendered. I did like the design of the ships, and it just felt more industrial and a different kind of universe to Star Wars, which is what you wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was playing it tonight, the ships just seemed to have that little bit more sort of depth and substance and a bit more weight to them compared to you know what we played in Wing Commander 1 or Wing Commander 2. You actually sort of felt the impact of the lasers when you were shooting at the enemy ships as opposed to it just being a little bit too cartoony with 1 and 2. Grant? Yes, um, I thought that the graphics were actually quite quite good, actually. I think we're used to seeing the very blank polygons in the likes of TIE Fighter where there's very, very little detail. Um, but these were obviously a bit more sprite-like. They moved well, and the detail, you could kind of see the detail on the enemy ships, so it kind of did make it quite immersive. And the one thing, like the previous Wing Commander games had very intense star fields to try and do the motion, this felt like space. It felt like there was room to move. There was... Uh, a lot of space around you and um, you didn't feel like it was too flat quite you know you felt immersed into that universe when you were flying Um, and once you'd mastered the controls it felt good I enjoyed it it took me a wee while to get into it and to get into the controls but once I got there it was great fun I mean the graphics we should just say that we're obviously running this through uh, the emulation we're running through DOSBox and I think most of us went down to the windowed mode because actually when you blew up to full screen it didn't survive that transition onto full screen particularly well but if you had it windowed into something the size of I don't know say an Amazon Kindle size then actually the graphics held up you know really quite nicely you know they were quite sharp yeah they had really sort of nice coloring and yeah, a lot less blocky than what we've seen in Wing Commander 1 and Wing Commander 2. I thought the you know, the actual set designs, especially when you're talking about the actual locations, like you had the flight deck, you had the bridge, you had the lift, you had the gunnery positions. All of those you could see were actually sort of rendered background with the characters superimposed on them, which just made the actual interface and the whole sort of screen look a lot sharper. Ben? Okay, I'd agree, though, that... It's a lot better in window mode. I stayed in full screen mode for all the fight scenes. And then when I was wandering around the ship, I dropped into window mode. And okay, it's just a wee 640 by 480 monitor. So you got a postage stamp on your screen. But it's a nice clean postage stamp rather than a blocky one. Yeah, absolutely. James? Well, I, I played the game full screen for the whole thing. I didn't drop into window for anything, probably because I just play games full screen anyway I'm, I'm not used to playing things in uh, in windows but it still held up fairly well for me i wasn't really expecting crystal clear graphics and so what i got actually didn't upset me very much and i thought it was quite good and i thought space was a lot better as well because they were actually using 3d models now rather than just flat 2d images of spaceships at all these different angles which would just snap between and it seemed a lot more seamless, and it was a lot more immersive than the previous installments of Wing Commander that we've played so far. Yeah, I think that certainly came through with some of the larger capital ships as well, in the ability to sort of fly around them, fly under them. And if you think of the victory when you actually came into land, it was a really quite nice sequence, and you saw yourself going into an open 3D sort of docking area, or indeed fly through it, as we most of us did before we calibrated the control systems. Okay, let's go on to the music and sound effects then. What do people think about this? I'll start us off by saying the inclusion of the communications and the actual sort of scripted communications from your your wingmen in terms of them coming across the radio and the comms chatter with all the insults to the Kilrathi and all the Kilrathi insults back at you, I thought was really nice. It was was really immersive. I thought the laser fire 
again, possibly went win with a bit of the graphics in terms of the substance, but you know, the lasers seem to have a bit, more, a bit more beef about them when they actually hit the target. I thought that worked really, really well within the game. Simon? Yeah, I was just going to illustrate the point about the communication. The communication, I thought, were excellent. They're really simple to use. You press one button, you have a list of names of the people you can contact, press a simple button again, and then a little... Then, like, sub-menus came up and you could do various things with that menu. It was very simple. I mean, it worked really well. And I like the idea of it. I like the way you could actually taunt your opponents as well. I think that was a great idea. The sound effects, I didn't really notice them as being good or bad. I mean, they were just there kind of thing for me, which I suppose is good in a way. I would pay more attention to what I was shooting rather than the sound it was making. Yeah. Well, that reminds me, actually, that... And just before I go to Grant, there was one sound effect that seemed like it had been ripped straight from Star Wars, and that was when you had a Kilrathi ship come too close to you. You got this sort of flyby effect that sounded pretty close to the noise a TIE fighter makes as it goes past ships in Star Wars. I remember a couple of times in missions thinking, yeah, am I actually playing Wing Commander or am I playing TIE Fighter? Grant. There was engine wash. It did sound very much like a small audio sample that just kicked in whenever you happened to be that close, so... In TIE Fighter, when a ship passed you, you kind of got a sense of it passing, whereas with this, it's kind of like someone pressed play in a tape recorder and you got this engine noise. So although it was nice to have that, and it was the way that I knew my wingman was a little bit too close for comfort, it kind of was a little bit of an immersion breaker for me. So I thought it was actually something that added to the immersion. It added to the sort of the 3D element that you were flying in, you know, proper 3D space. Glory. I found myself having to turn the sound effects off at one point because um, they were quite persistent, I found. The, the engine noise I found quite distracting to some degree, but I think that might be because I was trying to chat to you guys as well and it was overriding that, so I probably just turned it down for that effect. But the laser sounds I really liked, they were a very powerful sound, much better than a pew, you know, it actually felt like you were firing a weapon. And the sound when the actual ships blew up as well, I quite enjoyed. So yeah, I, I thought the sounds were pretty good. Colin? Actually, I'm probably going to be the one that doesn't agree. I didn't like the sound at all. Like Grant said, the engine noises, it just felt like someone played a tape recorder. When you were playing TIE Fighter, when a ship flew past, it felt as if it flew past. In this one, it was just sort of, oh, it's there. And I didn't like the laser sound. The laser sounds to me just sounded, well, not even pew-pew, it just sort of, that's all I got from it. And I didn't like it at all. That's interesting. Just looking at the games, both TIE Fighter and Wing Commander 3 came out in the same year, didn't they? They did, yes. So it's interesting that, as you say, it sounded very much like TIE Fighter has much more advanced sounds in terms of its sort of spatial awareness in comparison to Wing Commander. But I didn't feel like it actually took me out of the game at all. I actually thought it was absolutely fine. But interesting points. Simon? The points were trying to say there's no Doppler sound effect from the ship. The sound never appeared to move at all. There's no motion in the sound. I think that's what people are trying to say there. Yeah, okay. So basically when you got close to a particular ship or a particular sort of asset, it just basically queued up a static sound is what people are saying. Is that right? I would say that's about dead on, really. So talking about the the gameplay and storyline, obviously we've referred back to the storyline as being the bit that we all remember from our youth of playing the game. And we sat through an 8 to 10 minute introduction basically giving us the backstory and why it is that Mark Hamill, Colonel Christopher Blair, has ended up on the victory. Uh, you see the death of the Concordia and its final resting place. What did you guys think? Do you think the way that it's being told within the, sort of the full motion video, I mean, this is pretty new to the genre at the time. Do you think it was a great advancement? 
Rory? Yeah, I did. I think um, for the time, people would have been amazed by what they're watching. I mean, CD-ROMs was a new thing then, and kids would have loved that, I'd imagine, because, you know, it's a CD-ROM. Look what I've got. I've got a CD-ROM. Wow. And the advantage of having CD-ROMs is that you get footage like we had there on Wing Commander 3, and it would have been fantastic. You know, people would have gone, that's Luke Skywalker. They'd have loved it. They might not have recognised John Reese davis as much, and Malcolm McDowell maybe not. Mark Hamill being in there, kids would have loved that. And I think that's a really great way of introducing a story and playing it along. Yeah, I mean, John Reese davis at the time, what was he? Was he Sarlacc? Was that right, in, uh, in Indiana Jones? Yep, he was, yep. Yeah, so I think that's the only thing at the time I remembered him from, which yeah, we didn't know later on that he was going to become Gimli the Dwarf out of Lord of the Rings. But Grant, what do you reckon? I think it was such a groundbreaking thing to have a game with such long cutscenes that it couldn't fail but get you hooked because you know the next cutscene would show the ramifications of your actions. It would twist and turn, and from the rose-tinted glasses, I remember the twists and turns being absolutely fantastic, and then trying to win over one of the wingmen that's maybe a little bit disgruntled, and you have to constantly go back after each mission and prove your worth to them and try and get them to be better wingmen. I just remember it being so totally immersive. It was just brilliant. In fact, the gameplay was almost secondary. It's fun. It's just downright good fun and you get that little edge of wanting to see the next part of the story and the only thing that I regret or I think was missing was at the end of the game when you completed it if you could have watched the cutscenes stitch them all together yep. as a movie wasn't that possible was it Metal Gear Solid that did that and it turned out to be something like a two and a half hour movie if you put all the cutscenes together but no you're right it was it was just trying to get that little bit more story which I say for kids at the time, it was just great. It was like being part of your own particular movie. Simon, what do you think? I remember around the time that in '94 they were trying to make these so-called movie games. I remember Clive Owen, the actor, was was in a big game at the time as well. There were several other games of that genre, and I think all these cutscenes were really the new thing of the day. Like these days, it seemed to be open play, do what you like. Sandbox type game seemed to be the in thing, whereas at that particular time it was, oh, let's give you how many actors we can get to do all these cutscenes. And for some games it worked really, really well, and for some games they just did not work at all. But this was one of the games where it did work. It was a really good plot thickener. It made the game more immersive towards you, shall we say. I think you're absolutely right there, Simon. I think the other thing that maybe sets this game apart compared to some of those other games that you were mentioning is just maybe the production values. From what I can recall of those other games that had the sort of the interactive label, the actors, some of the quality on those were really, really poor. They were literally just thrown together in somebody's back studio and then just put onto a disc and sent out and people would buy them because it was the new technology, whereas they invested in the production qualities, they had the sets or the green screen, and actually did something artistic and did something you know, advancing the storyline with it. Colin? This whole interactive movie thing, this game actually got it right, because there were games that came later, there was too much movie for gameplay. And as you progressed, the characters grew. And, okay, you had cheesy dialogue, and, well, cheesy dialogue, you might as well be asking for a whole EDAM in some cases, but... <laughs> It did work, it did grab you in, and it was the main reason for playing it. Yeah, absolutely. James, as someone that's always had the CD-ROM around with full motion video, how did this feel to you? 
Well, I don't have any sort of previous knowledge of this game to fall back on and to say anything that was really immersive about the sort of later game. But from what I experienced tonight in terms of the actual the gameplay in in terms of the combat, I found a few things. One was that I never really got shot at. I'd, it, I seem to be one of the few people who didn't really get shot. I think, yeah, a few people were sort of trailing smoke occasionally, but no, I didn't really get shot at. I didn't see any cracks in my windscreen. Only occasionally did I see the flash of my shields. So in that respect, it was quite easy. But in, in another respect, that being said, when I was trying to hit the opposition, they, they were in some pretty fast ships. And also the depth perception was quite difficult. I was trying to lead my shots, and I was actually very rarely hitting them. Yeah, no, I think you've actually touched on a good point there. It was one of the things in the gameplay that struck me as being a little bit sort of incongruous. The fact that there was no sort of guiding reticule to tell you how far in front of a ship you're supposed to be firing your lasers. Hold on, what was everybody talking about? As I've been rambling on there, the guys have actually been telling me that had I actually pressed L on the keyboard to lock the target, then there was, in fact, a targeting reticule, which I could have pointed my lasers out that would have made things a little bit easier. But again, that's another one of the situations with the games where it's actually better if you read the manual. So that's my bad there. So maybe I would have got a little bit more fun out of that had I actually done that. Okay, what about the aspects of the gameplay? What do people think about the scripting, the the briefing? It seems like a pretty stable of the genre at the moment where you go to the mission briefing, you know, you're given the mission and then you sort of head towards the flight deck. What do people think about this as opposed to maybe some of the other Wing Commanders that we've played? Colin? Well, I guess the other Wing Commanders is pretty much the same. The only difference between this Wing Commander and the others is you choose the Wingman. Normally you were just assigned a Wingman for a, a whole set of missions. And you couldn't get rid of them unless they died. But in this one, you can just swap and change all the wingmen before you actually fly out. Apart from that, it just seemed like a, an updated version of the original Wing Commander with all the cutscenes with people running down to the flight deck and all that kind of stuff, which was what Chris Roberts was after doing all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Rory? Um, I thought the actual gameplay is very basic, isn't it? It's the kind of gameplay that you imagine walking into an arcade, putting 10p in a machine, and just waggling the joystick about. Because all you're really doing is moving up, down, left, right, fire, 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 aren't you? There's not actually a great amount that you're actually doing from that point of view, I found. I'm not saying it's unenjoyable. It was enjoyable, but it was quite basic gameplay. Okay, Grant? Something that Alan Stroud had alluded to in the previous two Wing Commanders was a point that I thought we should make for this one, that the flight paths and the predictability of the opponents was far improved in this version. The AI of the enemy pilots was superior to the previous games, so it was quite immersive in that respect. That was one of the other limiting factors, I thought, actually, was the fact that there only seemed to be two fighters at a time. Yeah, I agree with that. There did only ever seem to be two and maybe a capital ship. So, again, that's probably something to do with the limitation of the hardware at the time. Colin, did you have something to say on the flight engine, mate? Yeah, one of the things that I was thinking all the way through this was that, yeah, I do love all the cutscenes and the cutscenes moved it forward. But the flight engine, when compared to TIE Fighter, there was no comparison. TIE Fighters just walked all over it. The other thing was that there was actually two things that this had that TIE Fighter didn't. It had more power options for managing your power distribution on your ship, but we never even touched there. But this also had sliding. On the Arrow ship, if you pressed down the control, you could actually slip slide like we did in Tacky on the Fringe. It didn't seem to add anything to the gameplay. The flight model just wasn't as good or as smooth as TIE Fighters. James? 
I was going to touch on the briefing a little bit. It felt a lot more refined than the briefings in the previous one. You felt like you were being told what to do rather than just sort of sitting there and listening to this long, moving graphic, which is supposed to represent you and your wingmen. You sort of enter the mission, you're not really sure what you're going to do. I felt a bit more idea as to what I was doing, but I don't think I really knew why I was doing it. I agree with that. You didn't really get the feeling of sort of the larger campaign, did you? You basically walked into the mission briefing and you said... Here are your three nav points. This is what's happening there, there, and there. Go off, choose your wingmen, and get out into space. You know, it was a lot, lot quicker than previous games, and certainly some of the other games that we played, like Conflict Free Space, where you know, each mission briefing was a good sort of three or four minutes long at times. It was a lot, lot quicker than that. Okay, guys, well, leave that there. Going back to our favourite game that's yet to be developed, and that of Elite Dangerous, what could people see in Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger, that maybe they'd like to see brought across and used in the development of Elite Dangerous. Ben, we'll start with you. It's more something I wouldn't like to see, is I think we've moved on from a 15-minute cutscene and video. We don't want that these days. You don't want to be out of the gameplay for so long that you forget that you're actually playing a space flight simulator. It's like watching a movie, and that's not what playing a game's about anymore. That's an interesting point, because I was thinking it was actually quite nice to see some video within... Elite Dangerous. And I know it's not a particularly easy thing to do considering the way they've got the game shaping up, but maybe just to have some of those uh, small cutscenes or you know, small sort of videos put into things like billboards or advertisements. Would you prefer full motion like. video or in-game rendered scenes? I think, you know, full motion video for things like adverts or you know, pre-rendered would be fine. It doesn't have to be done in the game engine. I just think, you know, things that you can stick on the billboards or things that you can get over your comm screen, I thought worked really, really well. I mean, I mean, we're talking about docking with you know, space stations and stuff. If you could get a little image of a guy, you know, in his uniform and stuff telling you that you're cleared to land, I think that just adds just a little bit of level of uh, immersion to it. James, what do you think, sir? Well, i got to agree with everything Ben said there, to be honest. I think we're pretty much going to say a lot of similar things to what we've said in previous Wing Commander games, because a lot of the elements are the same. We've got a very military mission structure with, you know, jumping between all the different nav points. And that's something I don't think we really want to see, or at least something I don't want to see. But with the new graphical upgrades for this game, I think if Elite Dangerous can just match the graphics for this game, I think it'll be perfectly fine. Really? (laughs) At least. No. I was going to say, you're setting your requirements quite low there, James. Uh, Colin, what's your thoughts? Yeah, this one thing that I'm actually missing from Elite is Afterburners. I actually enjoy Afterburners. That was, I think, the one thing that I did prefer in this game to TIE Fighters. You didn't have any Afterburners. Yeah, I think there were mentions of uh, Afterburners making an appearance in Elite Dangerous. It is something that I think on the board. We've talked about it on the main podcast a few times, but I suppose it's just a question of watching this space. Grant? I think a nice simplified comms system like we had in Wing Commander 3 is ideal. And I think when you're talking about your video feed, I think the news feed having video elements in it would be absolutely the perfect place for it. And it would allow them to create all kinds of scenes and you know really generate some emotive content just to get you geared up. So when you see a famine break out on a planet to have pictures of food aid being handed out to the people on that planet will just give you that emotive mission and that feeling of I'm going to get involved and get over there and save some of those people. Simon, what's your opinion on it all? Well, the full motion cutscenes that were part of that game, obviously they're meant for that era. But it would be nice to see something 
done. I'm thinking maybe down the line when we can walk around space stations and things like that. You're going to walk into an NPC. What are you expecting the contact between you and the NPC when you walk into them in a space station? Now, I'm not talking full motion video or such, but maybe they could take something from the Wing Commander 3 series in the way that you interact with them and it helps you thicken the plot line kind of thing. That would be nice to see. Also, you've got the comm systems with NPCs when you're in the ship. Are you just going to have a tech-based system, or are they actually going to talk to you in a speech-based system? Because if that's so, then you've got to have some sort of system that they've got in Wing Commander 3, where somebody's going to sit down and have to voice a load of stuff for that NPC. It'd just be interesting how you're going to do it. Yeah, I think what we've seen so far from the development is that they're at the moment sticking to standard text, pretty similar to what they did in Frontier and First Encounters. But again, that hasn't been confirmed. Rory? Yeah, I was going to say about the interactions that you had in Wing Commander 3, which were obviously acted by the actors. You're kind of forced to watch it, aren't you? Where I think in Elite, I don't think I'm going to want to have to sit and do anything. It's all about what do you want to do with Elite, and I don't want to have to sit even for 30 seconds and watch a pre-made scene because i don't think that's what we play elite for is it does that make sense yeah no it makes perfect sense it's an interesting idea i mean obviously nobody wants to be force-fed video i mean i think what i was talking about was just stuff playing in the background almost like Mm -hmm. um, in grand theft auto where you can choose to watch the tv if you wanted to but make it part of the interaction with the environment ben Yeah, you've said almost exactly what I was going to say, that when we get our ability to walk around stations and stuff like that, it would be lovely if you can walk around and you see people living out their lives on the station, going off and maybe holding conversations, possibly even pertinent conversations to things that are going on. But it's just there. It's not somebody that you have to click on to talk to and then you get this crappy video coming up. It's just two NPCs standing around in the docking bay or whatever having a conversation you happen to walk by and if you listen in then you listen in. Yeah. Rory? I've played some Elder Scrolls games in the past and Skyrim more recently and the way you interact there with NPCs works quite well. You know, you, no one's forcing you to interact with them. You can walk past them and you can you can walk past two having a conversation and you can pick up things that they're saying to each other. You can walk past them if you want to, but or you can choose to speak to them. They're going to have to learn lessons from those kinds of games because the games are all about interacting with NPCs, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it would be great if they could do something similar, but thinking about you know the Elder Scrolls, thinking about Skyrim, you know, that, that company put a lot of time into putting all that dialogue, first of all, down on paper, and then actually getting people to, to voice act it. I mean, it's a heck of a task. I mean, it would be great if we could see that in an expansion, a couple of expansions down the line. That would be absolutely awesome, but I, I don't think we're going to see that it's at the, the initial get-go. Simon? What you could really do is this, all the people on the forum, if you said to the people on the forum, just read out these 10 lines, I'm sure everybody would do it. And then they would have a huge database of things that they could easily just shove into the game. <laughs> yeah, there might be a slight issue with quality on that one. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think it would be quantity over quality on that one. Okay, well, let's draw this episode to a close. We'll start by doing the ratings. Colin, for Wing Commander, Heart of the Tiger, out of 10, what would you score it? 
Well, out of that, I think I would go six and a half to seven, to be honest. I thought the graphics were good, a little bit let down with the game engine, but the plot was the thing that really dragged you along. And even now I'm there thinking, well, perhaps I'll just see what happened next. (laughs) Simon? I actually quite enjoyed it tonight. Um, I have memories of the game from the past, so I'm kind of rose-tinted. So I'll give it a seven tonight. Okay, so those rose-tinted spectacles are still firmly in place. That's good to hear, James. It's the best Wing Commander game we've played so far. This one I enjoyed to some degree, so I'm going to give it a seven. Seven, good score. Rory? I'm going to give it a five, because... Mm. I enjoyed the cutscenes, I enjoyed the way it was um, led like that, but the game engine is just too basic, and it's just the same game as the other Wing Commanders, just a bit more updated, really, so it was just same old, really, I felt. Okay, and Grant? Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a 7 as well, thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think I probably will be popping back in for a wee bit more gameplay later on. And finally, Ben? I'd give it a a 5.5, maybe. It's... A bit like TIE Fighter, but everything was just a little bit worse, in my opinion. Hmm. Okay, well, obviously, I didn't play TIE Fighter last week, so I haven't got that to compare it against. Like Simon, I have got rose-tinted spectacles for this game. Uh, I had many a fun night playing it on my friend's 3DO, and I'm going to score it the same, 7.5. So, uh, overall, I think we're going to get a 7, apart from you two that are giving it a 5, so we'll average it out at, say, 6.5. Now all that's left to do is for us to choose our rear guard for next week. The rear guard will stay behind and play a little bit more of Wing Commander Heart of the Tiger and report back to us as to what happens in the plot and whether or not the game improves with a bit more game time or actually it's the sort of game where you'd actually wished you weren't playing it for a little bit longer. So everybody's name is in the hats. So coming out of the, the random name generator, it's Ben. So Ben, you're going to be the rear guard for next week, which means you get to stay behind and play a little bit more of Wing Commander. I'm actually going to play the game anyway, and as soon as you've already done it last time, considering you've only scored it a 5 and I've scored it a 7, it'll be interesting to see whether or not our scores actually fluctuate. Okay, so the rear guard for this week is going to be myself and Ben. But that's it for this week. I hope you enjoy the journey back in time. If you'd like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on Monday nights at 8.30pm on Skype. Add lave.radio to your Skype list and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest updates. Thank you very much for Colin, Simon, James, Rory, Grant and Ben for joining me this evening. Until next time, it's game over. Flagship, the Concordia. Oh, no way. Has everybody else just realised that? What's What's that? No, the Concordia. (laughs) Oh, they just rushed that, didn't they?
They've just literally oh. raised the Concordia. Oh, what bad taste. <laughs> what, what, too soon? <laughs> too soon. <laughs> oh, dear, never mind. We'll, we'll crash on through it. Literally. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know if I can put those in the outtakes. <laughs> yes, yes, of course you can. And finally, my partner in crime, the great Mr. Grant Walcock. Was that Walcock again? It was that, that was Walcock. not. A, that was definitely a Walcock. <laughs> okay, so our rear guard for this week is going to be myself. Stop laughing. Mute yourself. Sorry, it's just Simon saying two of the rear. <laughs> I'm so pleased I didn't see that. So when you see a famine break out on a planet to have pictures of food aid being handed out to the people on that planet will just give you that emotive mission and that feeling of I'm going to get involved and get over there and save some of those people unless you're Angelina Jolie in which case you're probably thinking I'm going to go and adopt some of those people <laughs> okay I'm not even going to touch that one I'm going to go straight to Simon's does this war agree with you <laughs> yeah like a pair of busted wing flaps I promise Colonel never to disappoint